All right, right now we are welcomed by none other than Zach Partridge once again for another Fierce Fighting Championship Fight Week. Zach, just a couple of days away, 12 fights are set, and once again, another fantastic job on the matchmaking side. This card is really, really stacked top to bottom. First one, Jace Coons versus Mark Laney. What are you looking forward to in this one? Um, Two guys that came out and I think felt like they just, you know, didn't, um, they're, they're both 0-1 and they just, you know, they, they both are looking for a way to get their hand raised and get their first win. You know, um, these 0-1 fighters, it's kind of tricky because like their debut fights, like they don't really know what to expect. Right. You know, Mark Laney, um, he made his debut fight in a huge arena sold out. I think it was like 3000 plus people, you know, um, and kind of, you know, just kind of froze. Didn't, didn't follow what he was training. Jace, um jace had a good i thought he had a good fun fight and that first one was really tough he just uh preston carlson good 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 young fighter who's not fighting because he's leaving on an lds mission and like you know like just a young kid like you just don't know what you're getting in your debut fight now they both uh kind of experienced it once and uh i think they'll just hopefully feel just a little more comfortable this time i think it's a very very good 50-50 toss-up fight. No doubt about it. I think this is going to be a really, really interesting fight, considering they're both looking for that first win. Similar to that, the second fight follows suit. Ricky Mamone, Kyle Brown. Zach, I just talked to you personally before we turn on the cameras. This has got fight of the night written all over it for me. Two fighters who didn't get their hand raised in their last showing, but without a doubt had incredible debuts. They were both winning how it went sideways kind of quick for both of them, right? Kyle Brown was winning that fight until he got caught with a big shot by Dylan Bolt. Um, Ricky Bamone, you could say, I mean, he took a fight on what, 10, 9, 10 days notice? It was 10 days notice. I believe Malachi was nine days notice the following event. Yeah. So, you know, he he takes a super short notice fight for his debut at the Maverick Center. And dude, he 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 cracked Malachi a few times. And then took Malachi down and got got a takedown. And, I mean, you could say up until that point he was winning until Malachi set up that triangle. So, I mean, it was two guys that I don't know. I don't know how hurt Malachi was. Malachi, he admitted. He's like, that's one of the hardest I've ever been hit. But, you know, it, I, I just think interesting. And interestingly enough, both their opponents from Jeremy Horn's gym. Yeah, no, I, I mean, so, I mean, I don't know. It's, I think it's a really fun fight. Like you said, fight of the night ran all over it. Um, they both showed some really fun, explosive striking. Um, so if, if they, if they do that, I think it very well could be fight of the night. Both have heavy hands. Ricky Mamone, when he landed, there was one specific clean shot that I remember echoed through the Maverick <laughs> Center, yeah, which was unreal. I couldn't believe what we were watching. Caitlin Neal and Jason Laporte aside me both were saying, I cannot believe how good this kid looks in his debut, considering his past background in fighting and things like that growing up in Hawaii. On top of that, you've got the jiu-jitsu of Kyle Brown, which we saw a little bit of against Dylan Bolt, which looked really solid, versus Ricky Mamone's wrestling, which looked really, really 
high level, I would say. And so I cannot wait for that one. Another little interesting tidbit, 17-year age difference between these two, 36-year-old Kyle Brown, 19-year-old Ricky Mamone. Ricky Mamone just graduated high school from Granger High School a couple of weeks ago. He's already making his second walk as an amateur fighter. Up next, we have got Dominic Vedro versus Jarrett Johnson. Another interesting matchup here, Vedro making his debut. Johnson already been around the block for a couple of fights. I'm interested in this one for sure, Zach. Yeah, and Dom taking this fight on short notice. Um, um, Jarrett's original opponent had to pull out, um, unfortunately, um, due to some um, personal issues. Uh, wish him well. Um, but Dominic is another young kid who, uh, you know, who's been itching to get in there for a long time. I believe he's had a kickboxing match or two. Um but is a gym rat, somebody that's all in the gym training and ready and ready to capitalize. Kind of like Ricky Mamone, right? Making making your debut on a big card on short notice because you're just you've been in the train gym in the gym training and you're ready, you know, and now he gets to he gets to showcase. Um and Jarrett, who, you know, was thinking about going pro after his first fight, lost his second fight. So he's like, ah, maybe a couple more amateurs. And then had a really, really, really fun, I feel like sneaky underrated on our last Idaho card, um, back and forth with Jeremiah Andrews. I went back and rewatched that fight, and I remember the knockout from Jeremiah. Had a great knockout in that fight on Jarrett. When I went back and rewatched it, I didn't remember it being as even up until that point as it was. Jarrett looked really good in, in that fight as well. So I'm – I. Again, I think like these first three fights, we're going to actually see some really, really fun action-packed fights. Really solid control time from Jared Johnson in that first outing for Fierce back in February. And on top of that, Vedro, like you said, 18 years old. I believe he does already have a kickboxing match under his belt. Grown up training. He's been training since he was, I believe, 13 years old five years in the gym. And so seeing what he will be able to do in front of a big crowd at the mountain America center against someone who's been able to do it before. That's a very, very interesting narrative headed into this one. Another interesting narrative, another couple of fighters that are looking for their first ever wins. Brandon Eisenman, Dustin Ireland, a quick uh, turnaround for, or not a quick turnaround, a change of opponents for Dustin Ireland, Brandon Eisenman going up a weight class for this one. I'm really looking forward to seeing what these two fighters bring to the cage. I think it's good experience. Like what's Amy for? It's for experience. Um, you know? Yeah. I'm just going to say, I think too many Amis try and protect their record as amateurs. And they're worried about, they're fighting in my weight class and doing this and, and I need an eight week camp. And you know what, for every fight, you should probably do things a little bit different, right? Experience everything, find your sweet spot and um, hats off to, you know, Brandon Eisenman for saying, you know, for jumping on this opportunity to get on this card and saying, um, you know, Dustin was Dustin's treated it like one of the most professional Amis I've dealt with. Like he was almost already on weight. I was like, do you want me to find you another welterweight and maybe do like 75 or 80 and just go up? And he's like, dude, I'm already, I'm already under 175. Like find somebody that can make 170, please. You know? And I was like, okay. So I started looking at 155ers that are willing to do it. And, and, uh, you know, a Brandon from Agima, and they just thought it was a good experience. You know, and this is a guy that win or lose, he's going to be better from doing this, been in the gym training, doing the right things. And he's like, I'm just going to, 
just going to fight. I'm just going to fight for, you know, up a weight class for the experience. I, I really like that. And, um, I think, it. I, you know, they're again, both zero and one, but we'll see, you know, we'll see what adjustments they've made from their first fights. One of the big adjustments, Dustin Ireland changing gyms over the last couple of months, training now at Half Gracie's up there in Idaho. As for uh, Brandon Eisenman, he looked really good in his debut as well. I do just need to say that he did gas out. It seems like a little bit late in that second round, but he looked really, really solid early on. And I talked to him about how he's going to feel going up a weight class. And he said, I just don't really have to worry about all those other things. I can just worry about fighting, like you mentioned, as being an amateur. It's just about getting those reps in. Talking a little bit about reps, one who's done it a whole lot more than the other, Talon Carvalho versus Dustin Jones. Zach, quick little tidbit for you. Seven years since Dustin Jones made his amateur debut. As for Talon Carvalho, he's only been training about four months, but he looked just as good as any fighter I've seen on the amateur scene in the last couple of months. I I think this is a really interesting matchup from the standpoint. Like we obviously saw Talon. Um we saw Talon's athleticism, right? And it kind of just overwhelmed in his performance. Um, Dustin's been doing this for a long time, though. And there's two things that really matter to me when I'm looking at fights that can be, I don't know, equalizers, if you will. Um, One equalizer is experience, right? I think you can get an experienced guy in against a very young, talented guy and the experience kind of wins just gameness. You know, I think the first time, like you get rocked kind of freak out a little bit, maybe. Whereas if you're experienced, you've been rocked before in a fight. Like you just keep going. Um, Dustin challenger series four, right? Challenger series four. Dustin just fought for us. Correct. March. Um, Dustin was coming off a pretty long layoff. Well, now he's shaking off the cobwebs. Like, I, I think we're going to see a much better version of Dustin in this fight, whereas experience can matter. But the second thing is athleticism, especially in MMA can be a really big equalizer too. So I'm really ex- interested to see what wins Dustin's experience or talent's athleticism. There's no doubt about it. The The storyline between these two is one of the most exciting on the entire prelims. Another big one, we got John Smith versus Lars Wittenberger. John Smith, his fourth fight of 2023, his sixth fight in one year. As for Lars, coming up from Las Vegas over at Extreme Couture, one of his main training partners being a former foe of John Smith in Artist Lyles. I can't wait for this one. I, this is, I mean, yeah, I mean, John, I know he doesn't have a sexy record, but he's also in every fight. He's in every fight. He had David Kim hurt. You know, I mean, David's one of the best Bantamweights in the region. Is that fair to say? For sure. For sure. And he hurt David with that knee. That was the first thing he said to me. He he got the finish. He got he celebrated a bit. Came over to the commentator booth and said he hurt me so bad to the body with that knee up the middle in that clinch. So I mean, John Smith is a. I think, 
Like, if you look at his record and just be like, oh, this guy's not very good. Like, this is going to be an easy fight. You're probably in for a really rough fight. I can't speak for Lars, but I kind of was like, they, I'm, I don't know, a guy with eight fights. I know he's two and six, right? He's two and six. Two and six. John Smith. John Smith's two and six. But, you know, to, for a debuter to like want to fight a guy with eight fights, it's like, it's kind of interesting to me. Like, I, the dynamic is very, very interesting to me. Um, love John. Um, took that fight with short notice for David, you know, he was game. He's always been game. I, I thought his fight with artists was actually, I think that was the only decision on that card, but it was, uh, two, one of two decisions on that card. Mm-hmm. Right. But, uh, it was a really fun fight. Like he's a fun, entertaining fighters. I don't really know what we're getting out of Lars besides he trains with former UFC fighter, Justin James and. Like it's his debut. He could be a killer. He could be, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a very interesting fight. Kind of a vet versus a newcomer. We'll have to see how that one plays out. Kind of like you were talking about. I don't know the athleticism of Lars, but similar to that talent and Dustin Jones matchup, the experience versus someone who might be a little bit more green to the game. One that we cannot wait for on top of that, the final prelim fight. TJ Spencer, Spencer Woodland, Spencer Woodland back after only nine seconds in the cage in February. We talked to him on the Damage Plan MMA podcast a couple of weeks ago, but TJ Spencer making his debut. These are two that that I'm really, really interested to see how this one plays out. Um, TJ, I believe, had a kickboxing match, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And um, I mean, they were supposed to fight in February and then TJ wasn't healthy enough to do it. So uh, Carson Newman stepped in on short notice. And I mean, TJ is like, I don't want to miss out on the card again. Um, and he goes, and I'm, and I'm happy to fight Spencer Woodland. I think that really speaks to the type of fighter and the type of person that TJ is seeing Spencer and what he did in his last fight and still saying, yeah, I want that fight. I mean, usually when people knock somebody out that quick, there's a little bit of a, you know, like, but he, I mean, he didn't hesitate. He's like, if he wants to fight, like I'm down. And it's like, okay, cool. Like, let's do it. And Spencer, I think made some sacrifices and made some, had to move some things around with his work life and stuff like that to make sure he could do this fight. But I, I'm really excited for this fight. It's, it's in that, it's in that slot of, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the premier fight on the prelims, that last fight going into the main card for a reason. And it's because I think it's going to be a banger. I, I think it's interesting that both of these fighters have multiple KOs between these two. There's only two MMA fights, but on boxing, on the boxing side, on the kickboxing side, they combine for three total knockouts between these two. So I think it's going to be a striker's delight, but I don't know. Spencer Woodland also talked about making sure that you train every bit of mixed martial arts. So we'll have to see where this fight plays out, but I cannot wait for it. Headed on to the main card, the first of two belts on the line, the amateur female featherweight belt, Aaron Scheidt coming up from Las Vegas, uh, Melody Schrock coming down from Idaho and uh, Zach. I think that this is one of those really, really interesting, you know, what's going to happen? Whose game are we going to see, you know, capitalized on more so and how is this fight going to play out who's going to be carrying that strap out of the mountain america center high level wrestling versus high level jiu-jitsu and i 
like like the the female people need to understand they're they're both undefeated they're both two and zero but the the female especially at those weight classes it's the pool's so shallow it's like we kind of had to make this a title fight like we don't always get all these opportunities to make title fights and it was just like it made too much sense for me I am they both hold wins over Nicole Fuga again like I praised Nicole before for taking tough fights. And I think that that's, I, I, and I love that about her. Um, you know, I've, I've heard from people, oh, like wrestling beats jujitsu, like Aaron's going to, Aaron, Aaron kind of smashes Melody. But at the same time, like Melody beat Nicole in the first, what, minute? And Aaron, it took her three rounds to earn a decision. And so it's just, I don't know, like, Melody's jiu-jitsu is good enough. She showed it. She's good enough to catch you at any point. She's good enough to catch you. And Beth Silva is a legit brown belt in jiu-jitsu. And she caught her with one second left. And if it went to the judge's scorecard, Melody was was one second away from losing a split decision. She found a way to win. And I think that that's an attribute that isn't talked about enough. Some fighters just can find a way to win. Tony Ferguson made a career in one of the best streaks ever in the lightweight division of just finding a way to win for years. And it's like, I kind of feel like Melody has that about her. Like she can just find a way to win. But at the same time, I mean, Aaron trains with, and it's not everything because you have to, you're the one in there. You're not in there with everybody, but you look, I mean, she's training with UFC fighters bellator fighters pfl fighters like she's fighting with and she has all these girls that are you know high high level at a big camp that's the other always fascinates me big camp versus you know origins combat it's a it's a small little jujitsu school and i i don't know i this this fight has it's just all sorts of fascinating for me and personally i can't wait for it both of these fighters incredibly efficient. Aaron Scheidt's 71 percentage control time in her last fight against Nicole Funga. As for Melody Schrock, two submissions on three attempts. The only attempt that she didn't get was the one that really injured Beth Silva headed into that fifth round when she got it earlier on in their fight and, or in that third round, I apologize. And so I, I'm really I'm really curious what what this fight just looks like. I don't think anyone knows what it's going to look like, but nonetheless, the number two pound for pound fighter on our fierce uh, amateur female rankings versus the number five in Aaron Scheidt. I'm very interested to see how that one plays out. Kesley Collard versus Thomas Prestridge, a rematch oh. from years ago. Oh, go ahead. I apologize. Sorry. One more note on that. No, of course. I, and I, it just hit me while you were talking. Have we ever taken two seconds to consider like maybe Aaron respects Melody's jujitsu and Melody respects Aaron's wrestling and they, they just kind of stand and bang. We see and, that happen all the time. And we don't really know what that looks like for either fighter. We've seen a little bit more of it with Melody than Aaron because Aaron's just been able to close the distance yeah. so quickly. But yeah. I mean, I, I think that's fascinating. I, I, I don't think that's what's going to happen, but it's not entirely out of the realm of possibility. No, def definitely not out of the realm of possibility whatsoever. We see that all the time when it comes to, to two people who are very good at one specific thing, that being the grappling in this matchup. Kesley Collard versus Thomas Prestridge, a rematch from back in 2015. This one's got a little bit more heat on it than most. You don't always see bad blood on these regional shows, but this one, it seems like there might be a little bit of that, Zach. 
Like I, I don't, I haven't heard or seen any of it from Kesley, but um, I can tell you this: Thomas Prestridge does not like Kesley Collard at all. Like, and if you haven't seen his social media posts, go check it out because they're gold. I think they're mostly on his stories. They might be gone, but he's made some posts that have just, I mean, I've had people be like, this is the fight I'm most excited for. And I mean, let's call it what it is. Kesley coming off of probably fight of the night at our last, maybe fight of the year in February. It's my fight of the year for sure. 100%. I mean, Kesley, Steven Steyer, Paul. I mean, it sucks that somebody took an L in that fight, but, um, that was one of the best fights I've ever watched cage side. Um, and then Thomas Prestridge, um, let's be honest. I mean, him and his camp did it, but like he was, he was probably, he was probably an underdog in his last fight against Robbie minor. And dude, the thing with Thomas Prestridge is he will not go away. He will not go away. If you pull up, I, I mean, I want to say how many Amity fights they have like 20, I believe it was somewhere in the teens. I have it on my board, but I don't have it up with me right now. You got one TKO, two TKOs. He got DQ'd against Kesley as amateurs. That's a split decision, split decision, decision, split decision, split decision, decision. I mean, he hasn't been stopped in a fight. Since Weston Wilson in showdown in 2014. I mean, and Kesley is, I, I, dude, this fight is so fascinating to me. And I've had people say this is their most anticipated fight on the card. I also do want to mention Thomas Prestridge was on a three fight win streak when that DQ happened with Kesley, where I think some of that bad blood might stem from, because since then, Thomas has never really been able to get back onto a win streak of any sort throughout the the remainder of his amateur career and his pro career. He has the chance to do that here on this Saturday night. And so we will have to see how that plays out. But nonetheless, one that I am really, really looking forward to. Another one I'm really looking forward to, Sammy Saunders versus Palolu Nakanelua. I want to make sure I get that right for the broadcast. I apologize if I mispronounce it right now. But these two, kind of a late matchup for you, Zach. One of the newer additions to the card, but one that really flies off the page for me personally. So this was a fight that it was just like, I know Lou's been Palolu, calm Lou. I know he was looking to get on our card. He's been asking us for quite some time. And it was just one where it's just like, you know, we had some fights fall out, whatever. And the Idaho fans came out and supported so well last time. Like we just wanted to make sure the card was good and give him a treat. And I think we did this with this fight. Sammy Saunders is a vet in the game. He's fought a lot of tough guys. He's been around. And I think he gives Polo, uh, uh, you know, all that, all that he can bite off. Polo's, I mean, He's knocking on the door of being signed by a big show too. I mean, a win Saturday night could give him the nod to get signed by a by a big show. So a uh, lot of stakes on the line for this one. This could reinvigorate Sammy's career in a lot of ways. Get him a lot of phone calls on some maybe some bigger shows, short notice, being able to beat a guy like Lou. And then Lou obviously is looking for his own right to make a name. Um He's a savage. I think this is a tough fight. I think it's a war. 
and I'm I'm really I'm really excited that we added this fight onto the card to to give the fans an extra treat. All right, we got to jump onto this co-main event, Luis Cortez, Cam Chisholm. Two fighters that have not won in a little bit of time, but I will mention three of his last four opponents for Luis Cortez were undefeated fighters. And the last com- and the combined record of Cam Chisholm's last four opponents has been 11 and 3. The strength of schedule on these two guys has been unreal. I wonder if that presents itself here to are here on Saturday night against these two in our co-main event. They're I they're eerily similar. These two fighters, and really they're the perfect dance partners for each other because even stylistically, they fight very similar too. They're both big guys for heavyweights, but they're like deceptively athletic and quick and can move. And, you know, Luis Cortez, he's he's one of those guys where I kind of feel like Luis beats himself a little bit. And, but when he's right, he's a very dangerous, dangerous person um in that cage one of the nicest guys ever too by the way when i say dangerous person like luis is one of the nicest people i've ever met um and then and cam as well um cam had one of the coolest moments his fight with ben moa dude he took shots from ben moa that nobody takes there's a picture that i think has been posted with ben punching him right here and his jaws back about good two inches just getting his and and he just kept walking forward. Nobody takes took those shots from Ben Moa. Ben Moa slept everybody with those shots. It took a body, a teep to the body to drop Cam. And um, man, I mean, I I I really think a, whoever wins this fight could really springboard to a a rejuvenation of their career. I think so as well. I think both of them have had tough roads, and now these two facing each other, we're really going to see which one of these fighters can kind of get, you know, a fresh start to what their career has been so far. Like we've talked about earlier, not the sexiest record, but without a doubt it very, very ready for a moment like this to be co-main event at a big show. Like we're going to have on Saturday night, Kent Mafaleo, Rudy Shafroth main event, Kent Mafaleo's biggest test ever in his first title defense as the fierce FC heavyweight champion. He's welcoming Rudy Shafroth, a Bellator vet, and a former champion as well on the regional side. Yeah, I mean, when you say biggest two, 6'4", I think that's the biggest guy that Ken's ever fought, 6'4". Um, I'm interested just from the standpoint of this is, a, I think, a considerable step up in competition for Kent. And if Kent is as good as he says he is, and, uh, you know, we all believe that he is, you know, he needs to beat a guy like Rudy. Um, but Rudy has been in there with some really, really good high-level competition. Um, Roz Hilton, who beat Jan Jorgensen back in January in our show, lost to him. Um, Vernon Lewis is a big win that he's had on his. Um, go look him up. Uh, a heavyweight that's been making a lot of noise. Um, he, he's beaten a lot of good guys, too. I'm very interested. And considering Kent has beat a teammate of Rudy's in uh, Sam Sprower as well. Um, I think this is going to be one of the most violent heavyweight fights you've ever seen. 